0: Hi, welcome to Revved Up for Sunday. We are the clergy of St. Mark's Episcopal Church in New Canaan, Connecticut. I'm Justin Chris. I'm Peter Walsh.
1: I'm Elizabeth Garnsey.
0: And each week we're taking a look at the Sunday scriptures in the Revised Common Lectionary, particularly the Gospel Lesson. And this week's gospel lesson is a doozy. And I would just say, animal lovers beware. <laughs> Let's hear the story. Reading from the Gospel according to Luke, the 8th chapter, beginning at the 26th verse. Jesus and his disciples arrived at the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. As he stepped out on land, a man of the city who had demons met him. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he did not live in a house but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he fell down before him and shouted at the top of his voice, "'What have you to do with me, Jesus, "'Son of the Most High God? "'I beg you, do not torment me.'" For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many times it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles that he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the wilds. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? He said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. They begged him not to order them to go back into the abyss. Now there on the hillside, a large herd of swine was feeding, and the demons begged Jesus to let them enter these, so he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When the swineherds saw what had happened, they ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came out to see what had happened, and when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told them how the one who had been possessed by demons had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So he went away, proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. The Gospel of the Lord. So what in the world do the two of you make of this? And do either of you want to switch with me for preaching on this day? Which (laughs) also happens to be Father's Day and uh, and Juneteenth. Uh, that's the Sunday closest to Juneteenth. Uh, A lot going on on that day, a lot going on in this passage. So if either of you want to do me a solid, that'd be fine too. (laughs) But maybe you can give me some help right now.
1: Well it's an incredibly visual story and Luke is I think Luke is the great storyteller of our gospels in my mind and uh, whenever we have a victim of something or a group of people, I think we have to perk up and realize that it's it's not by accident that Jesus bumped into this guy and you know carries out his work and his healing and I think it's much much more than a healing I think it's you know, demonstration of the great reversal of, you know, where the the victims are restored and, and returned to their right mind and, and placed back in their communities. And um, that's so much more than just the healing of a, of a man because it's not just for him. It's really something for their whole community. And um, there's so much going on here. I don't want to, I mean, I'm going to hear from Peter first before I... Go right into that. I have a lot to say about that, but but that's my first thought is that it's it's a very important story in in Luke and in in all that Jesus is here for. You know, I mean, it's sort of to me mm. an ultra archetypal story of a scapegoat, a victim, a reversal, a healing, a restoration of a whole entire community, whether they're ready for it or not, mm. and they're not here. Um, so.
2: That's yeah, an incredible, incredible story. I mean, we've, first of all, we've just taken a wild shift out of John's Gospel. We oh, yeah. have been for so long uh, discussing theological ideas, and now mm-hmm. here we are uh, back on the ground with Jesus. Yeah, and this, is, a, this is just an unbelievable Luke and Spielberg moment here. Yeah, uh, and I just can't imagine how great this would be in, in a movie. Uh, as we, I mean, we've got Jesus crossing to the other side, and which is in itself an incredible thing, and in the context of Luke's gospel, the context of Jesus's time, mm-hmm. uh, he is—you know—he's in Capernaum, which is uh, a Gentile area, but Capernaum is a Jewish town. Sea, so-called Sea of Galilee, Lake of Genesaret, and, and the other side is uh, the other side It's almost like saying like the dark side, mm-hmm. uh, the pagan side, and that's a, probably about six miles across the water to get there, and that's in the area called the Decapolis, uh, which is the ten cities. Uh, but whatever it is, these are these are these are pagan cities. So he moves into the Gentile zone here so this has all the drama of moving into the gentile zone Mm -hmm. and then and then uh it's it's he stills the storm on the way there Mm -hmm. uh and and then then you know he it's on the opposite side he steps out onto land and a man from the city of demons met him so i mean Mm -hmm. we have we have this incredible motion as this Mm -hmm. this guy comes out of the tombs and falls down before him which is, in some sense, exactly the opposite, of course, of the, of, of the disciples who are like, who is this that stills the storm? And these, mm-hmm. you know, fall down for him. And then the demons speak, the great irony that the demons are the ones who always know who Jesus is. Right. Uh, and we get the, I mean, this is unbelievable. And then we get, you know, uh, the demons saying, don't torment us, right? When mm-hmm. they are the tormentors. And, uh, and Jesus, again, speaks to the unclean spirit. And they say to him, do not throw us into the abyss. I love that. I love that. We don't make enough of the abyss. Mm -hmm. I mean, the biblical Hebraic abyss is that, is, is that, that, the, the hole that goes to the center of the earth but because the earth spins you never reach the bottom so you spend your et- eternity mm. in a free fall yeah. and the and with the abyss comes up as you know in the book of revelation it is out of the abyss that's where the that's where that's where satan and the demons are going to spend eternity uh when they're completely mm. overthrown at the end of time mm. but in the revelation they come pouring out and they what do they do they torment people that's what they do they they oppress and possess and then uh i mean it's unbelievable and then of course Uh, that that whole question where they beg him, look at who's doing. There's all this begging going on. They beg him to put him in the swine. And then Jesus gives him permission. So Mm -hmm. this is all about Luke and the question of Jesus' authority. And then the the swine herd, as you know, leaps off the cliff, 2,000 of Mm -hmm. them. That's a lot of swine. That's a lot of pigs for the water. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, uh, then of course, Mm -hmm. we have the guy, you know, sitting at peace at Jesus' feet. And then the story just gets even better because the townspeople come out, and now they're seized with fear, right? Remember the previous seized was they were, mm-hmm. the guy, the demoniac was seized by the, de- the demons, and now these guys are seized from fear. And then just like when Jesus walks through Nazareth, and they're going to throw him headlong off the cliff, and he just walks through, again, like an incredible movie scene. Mm-hmm. Here, they tell him to leave. He doesn't, I mean, there's no, like, discussion of, mm-hmm. amend, you know, First Amendment rights to speak or something like that. He just turns and walks away, gets in the boat and goes. I mean, mm-hmm. the thing is... Uh, yeah, he's the, a free man. The, the thing is a story that's it's unbelievable. It's shocking then. It's shocking now. It's been shocking for 2,000 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's an awesome story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, it, made for Hollywood. It is. Uh, you it mentioned is. Spielberg. Um, you know, I, I read, um, not to get too vivid for, the, for, the, <laughs> for our friends at home, uh, but I, I read somewhere that it's very likely that when this guy, um, or it would make sense that when this guy appears before Jesus. He's bloodied for having like mm-hmm. gotten gotten his way out of these chains and shackles with which the townspeople have mm-hmm. have, um, have have
2: that's have, very cool have that's very cool I never thought of it
0: you know, and they, they've, um, I says he was mm-hmm. kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles for he would mm-hmm. break the bonds and be driven by the demon mm-hmm. into the wilds. I mean, so they were, yeah. they, they put him in bondage, they put this man in bondage for his, for his own protection, but perhaps also for the protection of the townspeople, right? This guy was a right. terror to himself and to, mm-hmm. and to others. But I wonder, what exactly is it that this man is afflicted with, right? So we know he, he's mm-hmm. got legion, uh, he's, he's afflicted with a demon. But what exactly is he afflicted with, right? Can we flesh that out a little bit? You called mm-hmm. him a victim. He's a victim of
1: mm-hmm. what? <laughs> well, like I said, I think it's more going on here than just you know, literally what's happening on the page. And, yeah. and one way I think is helpful for me to read this is to read the demons as the mob, the herd, mm. and the crowd, mm. all as one. And so this man is afflicted by a system that has cast him out to this margin. And he's tormenting himself. I mean, he's in the chains. He actually beats himself with um, you know, with stones, or I forget, where, where does it say that? It says it somewhere. Um, but he's kind of taken on the way he's being treated by the crowd. He's, he's in total outcast. And people are okay with this. They keep him in chains. You know, they keep him bound and out living in the tombs um, off where they don't have to contend with him. And so he's accepted this, <laughs> and they have accepted it, and the, Jesus comes and the 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 legion the the crowd or the mob, the herd says, "Don't torment us, go away, you're going to upset our system you know you're yeah. going to take this mm-hmm. you're going to send us away and that's exactly what happens and you know Jesus allows the the demons to go into this herd you know a crowd it's the word for the mob and one maybe accidentally falls over the cliff and so they all go over like let's all do what the mob is doing (laughs) you know it's not like jesus sent them over the cliff they rushed over Mm. and in a way i think it's that they um and by the way i i Mm. read this type of thing through the the um girardian Mm theology. So I, I'm sort of steeped in that around this story because I've, I'm so fascinated by it. I'm not making this up because I think it's pretty genius. Mm. Um, and it, it seems to make sense to me. But anyway, so um, Gerard would talk about this as, you know, a, a classic example of a scapegoat and this herd rushing over the cliff and into the abyss because that, it's an undifferentiated mob mentality mechanism that's going on there is no definition of what he's afflicted with you know Mm. why is he out there but he he every community loves a scapegoat Mm. you know and it keeps their them comfortable and they can put all it's like the black sheep or you know any any community that has someone to worry about that's not themselves and that someone's causing all the trouble and it's not me you know let's just get rid of them let's keep them bound let's keep them down Mm. You know whether they know what's wrong or not, and whether any of them really understand what's wrong with him. If everyone else is saying he's bad, they all just go along with it. And so when Jesus comes along um, and and has this conversation with Legion, they you know there they go. And then the man is restored and clothed in his right mind. He has a right mind. He has clothes. He has a home to go home to, a community. And when he sends. When Jesus sends him there, they're very upset. I mean, this has really exposed their system, and now they have to get used to it. So when I have preached on this gospel, I I really like to spend a little time on what happens to the community when something something has completely shifted and you know their system has finally got the cracks in it that were there all along and they have to look at it i mean it's really upsetting i mean he might be clothed and in his right mind but they're gonna go out of their minds trying to get get used to it the new normal yeah. and the and have to contend with what they've been doing to him all these years and then who will they blame for their their problems you know so yeah. i think maybe there's a lot to that to think about and um and Jesus doesn't let him come along. He's like, return to your home. Like, wait till they need this message more than you do, you oh, know? Interesting. So I, I think that's a really yeah. interesting dynamic that Jesus, you know, it's also a huge responsibility for this poor man, <laughs> you know, but what are they going to beat him for now? He's clearly been healed, and um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's dramatic. I think it's, it's really incredible.
2: Wow, and all that. That's incredible. Yeah. That, that's, that's really something, because, um, uh, I, I mean, in answer to answer your question, I'm in a really different place than than there, Girardi and Elizabeth here. Uh, <laughs> I mean, That was incredibly beautiful, and, and you taught me a lot with that. Uh, it, uh, so I was going to say that in the, um, what is, you, you had asked the question, <clears throat> what is he possessed with, or what is, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> excuse me. Mm-hmm and um i w- so I would say that in in for for Luke uh, uh, a big portion of what Luke is talking about is jesus 's authority, mm. divine authority, the demise of the devil. Remember we had the book that was written by Susan Garrett, my professor, and i I flicked it i wasn 't really trying to be disrespectful <laughs> as I flicked the book <laughs> on the floor, but maybe that was demising of the devil here as I flicked the book away, but that right. that, that in throughout Luke we have uh, a, a tremendous movement where Jesus takes on the takes on the dark side. He takes mm-hmm. on darkness. He takes on mm-hmm. he takes on the devil. He takes on demons, and it, and we might understand. Uh, demons uh, again, through the uh, kind of biblical eyes, to be uh, um, a legion of fallen angels uh, in the hierarchy, the great hierarchy in the in, in the angelic world, a great hierarchy in the, the the dark world here, and and that these are these are these are lesser beings, and what is the purpose? We say this in our. Um, Baptismal covenant: when we turn away from the darkness, we turn away from uh, evil. We turn away from Satan, we turn away from evil, and we turn away from sin. And the purpose uh, of of evil is to corrupt and destroy the creatures of God, mm-hmm. and here we have an example of uh say if we took the Bibli- if we took the Book of Common Prayer, which goes from Satan, whose job is to turn away from from God and then evil to corrupt and destroy and sin our participation in it, mm-hmm. and you use this as a kind of paradigm. I think what we have here is we can see uh, the demons are literally corrupting and destroying this man who, uh, who is uh, destroying himself, right? And has uh, as, uh, superhuman powers uh, to break these shackles. And, uh, and, and, and it could be argued that they're trying to protect him even from himself, not just from each other. And, uh, and so that Jesus overthrows, has authority to overthrow In the gospel, he has to overthrow Satan, he has the authority to overthrow evil and the demon, and he has, and he invites us uh, to overthrow sin too. So, I Mm. that would be the lens that I would look at the Girardian lens. I'd be like, oh wow, that is super cool, but that's not the place where I was going to go as you know, an answer to what's happening here. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, I think that the two of you have um, scratched the surface um, of the, the depths of this passage. I mean, one of the things that we've, I think, found in our Communal exploration of the scriptures is that these um, these stories are never just as, <laughs> just what they seem on the surface. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have hidden spiritual depths, and I'm reminded of the way that um, pre-modern Christians so often read the scriptures as having both a literal and a spiritual sense. And the spiritual sense, they could, right. um, you know, sometimes they the sometimes the medieval's and the early church fathers broke these down into three or. Four total senses, right? Uh, it depends on which one you're reading, whether there are two spiritual senses or three or so on, but you could think of them as the literal or the historical, right? The the what what happened on the face of it, uh, the moral, the allegorical, and the anagogical or the, some, the eschatological reading, the the thing which has to do with uh, with the end of days, and I think what you're both um, talking about. I mean, you've you mentioned just a um, a bit of the eschatological and the invocation of uh, the angelic hierarchy and the demonic hierarchy, and so on, and the the that last vision earlier when you were talking about the abyss, the last vision of the overthrow of all of these forces ultimately, in the, uh, as uh, foretold in the. Foretold is a complicated word as envisioned by the uh, uh, by the book of revelation. Um, but I think you're both, you're both talking about the moral sense here in a way. Uh, you're talking about the communal self-destruction. You're talking about spiritual self-destruction, forces of spiritual self-destruction, and forces of communal, societal, social self-destruction. And I think this is a story of Jesus undoing the human capacity for self-destruction, undoing the cosmic capacity for self-destruction, that there, there, is, a, there is something about the let there be light, in the beginning of Genesis, that unleashes its opposite. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that unleashes the, the unleashes some kind of force of nothingness and undoing, which we end up, which is what evil is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you you have that in the demonic, right, in ways which are spiritual, um, in the opposite of the angelic hierarchy. And you have that in. Society, You have that in communities, right, this, this seeming like, this tendency of communities to unravel, and all that I would say is I, I would add that in the psychological, too, in the individual, there is this human, there is a human capacity for self-destruction. Um, that we are, um, I mean, I'll just say being a human being is really hard. It's <laughs> just really hard, just really hard. We like to think that there's a manual for being a human being, and there just there just isn't. We also like to think that I, I think particularly in our digital age that we're something like robots, right, where we can be reprogrammed very easily and you just kind of like fit us with new code and there you go. And we're not. I think that we're really bundles of conflictual, conflictual and conflicting drives and habits. And I mean, it's a wonder that um, it's a wonder that most of us are so well adjusted as we are. Uh, but I'm, I'm reminded of, um, of 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 Freud, and I know Freud, many people think Freud was crazy, and uh, Freud was crazy. Okay, but Freud got got, got some things right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've never seen a more powerful vision of the death drive, what Freud called the death drive in his later work in Beyond the Pleasure Principle, than the swine hurtling over the cliff into. The um, uh, into the into the sea presumably, or into the lake into the lake. Um, this I, Freud thought that there were at least these two kinds of major drives in the psyche: the a life drive which we associate with uh, with. Hunger, instincts of self-preservation, procreation, and so on, and then a death drive—this thing within human beings that somehow longs for it to just all be over, for to return to an inorganic state, to return to the stasis, the ostensible peace of mm-hmm. something like the, the, um, something like the undoing of creation. I mean, I think of Iago. In Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Iago, Iago is evil, is a personification of evil because Iago just wants to watch the world burn. And that's evil, right? And there's this, in all of us, I think, uh, there is an Iago principle. There is this, there is this longing for like, just, there's this longing for self-destruction. And, and we all have it, right? And Freud, Freud thought that um, this manifested itself in like obscene risk-taking behavior. Uh, he also thought it was like a forerunner of what we he described it as a forerunner of what we now understand to be PTSD. He called it the repetition compulsion. He was observing in patients returning from the front in World War I that they replayed this destruction in their minds over and over and over again. It was like their minds were their minds were fascinated by it. Not fascinated in a kind of like moral sense, like they wanted to be fascinated by it, but their minds just like latched onto it and and it wouldn't let it wouldn't let it go. Um, and here, regardless of how we understand this self-destruction, spiritual, individual, or social. Jesus, his grace is the undoing of it. Mm-hmm. And I find it so interesting that um, how, however it is we understand it, the crowd doesn't want
1: it. Mm-hmm.
0: They don't like it. They don't like their healing, yeah. <laughs> right? We've all touched on that, right? Uh, what, however it is we understand the self-destruction, mm-hmm. they're afraid of Jesus. That's their response. Somehow they're resistant to the un- to the undoing of their of their self destruction.
1: Well, they have to change. Yeah, is I mean, that it? I think so. I think that when we're you know when you're healed or something's taken away from you, that even if it was bad, it's a change. Yeah. And people talk about maybe it was even Freud who talked about change as a grief. You know, it's a little mm-hmm. death, and that's I think with this community. Um, the, the man comes back. They don't recognize him. Jesus has upset their their way. And now they're the ones who have to do the adjusting. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I think that's hard. It, sometimes it's hard. Like, yeah. you remember the button we referred to that's from um, Calvary in New York that my friend Scott Carlton created? Mm-hmm. Enjoy yes. your forgiveness. You know, we hear confessions yeah. and sometimes... Yeah you know, I've made a note over the years, sometimes the same people come back and confess the same things over and over again. It's like, well, you've been forgiven of this, you know, you're forgiven. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to accept. It's really, really hard to accept and go live in light of it and um, not repeat, or or even just let it go yourself. It's hard to let go. And you've talked about us as humans. um, You know, we are a mess. We're all contradictions. We're just the tangle of Paradox and, and struggle and I guess the human work is to work is to work right like mm. do the work and um, Remember at the end of Mad Men when uh, the guy says to Don Draper Don Draper's a big drunk and he just can't stop and his his colleague says just do the work Don Do the work you know it's like get get well and it's really hard but they have to work at it. You know, Jesus does mm-hmm. the undoing, and then we have to grapple with what that means.
0: Yeah. Oh, man, a lot to say about Don Draper, and a shout-out to, to, to <laughs> <Sorry>. Father John <laughs> Kennedy, uh, uh, a former, um, uh, our very own, right, a postulant <laughs> in the Diocese of Connecticut, a candidate for ordination, Diocese of Connecticut, now working uh, in Cleveland as a fabulous priest who um, f- has, has, has talked to me about uh, Don Draper as, like, uh, you know the paradigm of the spiritual oh, yeah. life right so many it 's a great show uh, peter you, you, do you have anything to add
2: here uh, just uh, to say really interesting, to listen to both of you again and, and Elizabeth, your systemic uh, uh, questions that you that, in, that you raised up out of here, I find really, really interesting. Uh, I, I think that um, you know from my perspective of looking through Luke and eyes at the story what I see is that as Jesus moves through time, I mean, if you just simply plotted out a, a, a Jesus's movements, uh, I, uh, I mean, throughout the whole gospel, but up through Galilee, what you see is um, a, a group of people who are launching themselves at Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that is, a, it's, a, it's a funny combination of mm-hmm. people, right? Yeah. It's, it's the, the demons, in some sense, are both launching and repelled mm-hmm. at the same time. You have the disciples who are, who are following and sometimes um, uh, with great devotion, sometimes with, with like dullards, mm-hmm. um, but nonetheless following. You have the feeding of the 5,000. That's also, I mean, Capernaum's here in, in Magdala. I mean, the place is just sort of up around the bend in the hills where he, these people came because they were hungry. And, and, and we have a, a Jesus healing. It's a little bit like the question of his holiness, Mm-hmm. And holiness as the, that which is attractive, the fastens that you were talking about, yeah. evil as a, having a fastens, a kind of mm-hmm. a kind of a- attraction to the to the otherness of the holiness yeah. and also a repelling uh, from it, too, because um, when Jesus it, it's simply too much. Yeah. And so, for instance, when we were saying the other day, Jesus had things. Uh, I have these things. I have more things to tell say to you, right. but you cannot hear them. Now, mm. it's almost like Jesus's power is too much for some people and they simply can't deal with it now. They just simply mm. they're just not there yet, yeah. right? And and but what we get in the picture is Jesus, a man of light, walking through this this shadowy world, and uh, again, it's an incredible, as you said, Luke is a writer. Mm-hmm. It reads as almost novel-esque-like for mm-hmm. us mm-hmm. Uh, because he uses enough descriptive language and enough scenes of drama and power, and you mm-hmm. can put yourself in these places, mm-hmm. uh, and there's nothing theoretical about this. He have got a guy who's like, Ripping chains off himself, right? right. And, right. and and yeah, and living in the tombs. Yes, this is seriously fleshy and real. I mean, this is like gnarly. Yeah. This is a gnarly story. And Jesus brings mm-hmm. his holiness right into the middle of the gnarl. And the message is, We are all gnarled human beings, man. It's not possible not to be gnarled. Mm-hmm. And Jesus brings his holiness right into us. Mm-hmm. And are we the ones? Can we unshackle ourselves? Can we mm-hmm. allow ourselves to be healed? Or do we also repent? hell Jesus and say, not now, dude. Get in the boat and go away. Mm -hmm. Come back when I'm ready. Or, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm going to titrate you. I'll take a little bit of you now. Mm -hmm. I just can't take the whole thing right now. Mm -hmm. Or else we, you know, we're duplicitous with ourselves. We say we're all in and we're not. We're not honest with ourselves. And that's, of course, means that we make zero progress.
0: Mm. (laughs) Uh, I think that this discussion goes to show that the Bible is a a real book for real life uh this is a this is a gnarly story for a gnarly people right for people <laughs> yeah. who are gnarled up for people who have been gnarled up by the world people who've been gnarled up by the spiritual world people who are <laughs> gnarly in and of themselves right. right and i count myself among them <laughs> uh and it, we, we we've scratched the surface here of we've just begun to scratch the surface of the depths of this story um you know we've been in the literal right we've been in we've been in the demonic we've been in the moral we've been in the uh we've been in the social Uh, We've been in the communal, we've been in the personal. Um, I suppose the best last word is the one which Elizabeth mentioned, which
2: was um Enjoy your forgiveness. <laughs> I gotta say one other thing here. Sorry, I know that was your Oh, go for it! Trying to get this over. <gasps> that's hilarious. So, this is the rector. No, no, no. Because <laughs> we're talking about because you've named it as the gnarly story, and yeah. all I can think of is your nephew, who is that coolest-looking guy who lives in San Diego. <laughs> oh, shout and, and oh, shout out to Bo. who yeah, nice. I only—I never even saw his whole body. No, I just saw him looking through the window. I'm like, oh. And so, he's it's, gnarly in the good way. Exactly. That's <laughs> it. That's what I want to say. Exactly. That Jesus is gnarly in the good way oh, as he walks way. into our gnarled in the bad way. That's what I wanted to say. Shout out to your your nephew there. That's really
0: good. God bless you. Like, share, and subscribe. Bye-bye.